Blog Talk Radio. Interviewing your favorite musicians, comedians, and other creative souls. This is the Carrie Edelman Show. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Carrie Edelman Show. I am so excited tonight as we have the singer-songwriter and guitarist Rob Trainer from the hard rock metal band Blackwater Rising joining us. So they're going to be one of the many bands that I've had the pleasure and honor of interviewing. Some of the bands that I have featured on my show that Rob will join tonight is Tremonti, Trivium, Sick Puppies, Ten Years, Dead, Lacey Sterum, uh, formerly of Flyleaf, and Starset to name a few. So before I bring him on, I always like to just do a brief introduction, introduce people to my show if you're new and tuning in tonight. I created this show, gosh, I can't believe it's been almost five years, um, with the concept in mind that I really wanted to create a forum to support people in the entertainment industry and do a different type of interview. Um, My background is in psychology. That's what my doctorate is in. So one of my passions is doing in-depth interviews, and my other passion is the entertainment industry. So I thought I'll combine my two passions together and uh, create something a little different to really take people on a journey so you can get to know the artists that I have on my show, and the entertainers. Although I mentioned my background's in psychology, my show, as I always say, is purely meant for entertainment purposes. We're not doing any formal therapy or any type of uh, analysis on the show. We might talk about things in an educational concept um, from time to time, but uh, that's the extent of it. So let's do a nice introduction for Blackwater Rising, and then we're going to bring Rob on the air. Okay, so Blackwater Rising, these guys have an interesting uh, journey. They formed about a decade ago, and the band has had some significant success. The first two albums that they released were actually self-produced, and they did an amazing job with these albums. The first album, which was self-titled, had hit singles including Brother Go On and No Halos. Uh, Brother Go On cracked the top 40 on the media-based active rock radio charts, and the album also reached number one spot on Amazon.com's Hard Rock chart upon release. Their follow-up sophomore album, which was titled Pissed and Driven, also had some major success, and the singles that were released off that one included Have No Mercy and Dance with the Devil. The band has toured with some national acts, including Hell Yeah, King Devil Hill, and also King's X, to name a few. So, Science Pavement Entertainment, the band is going to be releasing their amazing new album that is titled Electrified, featuring the hit single Payback Tomorrow. So be sure to uh, get a copy if you haven't pre-ordered one already. So let's do this. We're going to bring Rob on. We're going to take you on a really cool journey tonight, and we're also going to get a chance to feature their single Payback um, at some point during the interview. Lastly, I want to thank Barbara Papa George from Pavement Entertainment. It's been great working with her, and I've interviewed other Pavement Entertainment artists, so it's, it's great to bring these artists on and support them. All right, so let's bring Rob on. Hey, Rob, how are you? Hi, can you hear me? Hey, yeah. Hey, how's it going? Hey, good, how are you doing? Good, can't complain. Good. Working hard. Okay, (laughs) yes, you are. (laughs) You guys work very hard, and we're definitely going to get into that tonight because I want to talk about what you guys do for work because I know that the the band is not just a full-time gig for you guys, that you guys have you know, jobs and careers in addition to the band. Right. So, um, right. We're not, we're not rock stars. <laughs> no, you're rock stars. But I, I, I think the thing <laughs> yeah. that I really, 
Now you are. Absolutely. No, but I think the thing that I really respect about you guys, and especially people who do this, that I know it's hard to, you know, make a career in general just with music, but managing your own jobs on the side and careers that you have coupled with, you know, doing this band as seriously as you do it. I mean, it's very commendable. Right, right. Well, thank you. <laughs> but we do it. Okay. We, I think we do it because we love we love to do it. That's why we do it. So you know. Absolutely, cool. So let's do this, Rob. Let's kind of take a step back. I want to know a little bit about you in terms of you know. Tell me a little bit about your personality. What were you like as a kid? And pull in some interesting stuff that people might not know about you in terms of if you played sports growing up or you know something interesting about yourself. And then, of course, we're going to start to get involved in how you got into music. Right. Uh, I don't, I mean, it's difficult to really say what kind of kid I was. I mean, I, I okay. you'd have to kind of be on, on the outside looking in. I guess I was always a creative individual. As a kid, I, I used to draw a lot, but, um, okay. and I, I, I was into music. I mean, I always loved music, but my main thing was drawing. I used to like to draw comic books and stuff like that when I was a kid. And uh, then as I got older, that's when I started to get into playing music. But, but you know, I was a bit outgoing. Uh, I was a bit of a comedian. You know, I used to like okay. to make, you know, other kids laugh. That's about it, you know. <laughs> okay. Were you, uh, would you say you were the class clown at all? Were you a kid that kind of, yeah, yeah. you know, rallied I went up? Through a bit of a, yeah. I went through a bit of a class clown uh, period. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So making people laugh, which is, which is a great thing. It makes people feel good when you can make them laugh and uh, drawing. In addition to drawing, was there anything else that you like to draw besides kind of comic book type of things? Mm, No, that was about it. Whatever, whatever crazy stuff was uh, jumping around in my head. (laughs) Gotcha. Gotcha. Now are you, Rob, you're originally, are you originally from Brooklyn, New York? Yes. Yes. Okay. So that's where you grew up as yeah. a kid. You were in Brooklyn. Okay. Right. And um, yep. tell, tell me a little bit about your, what was it? Coney Island? Co- yeah. Coney Island. Nice. I grew up in Coney nice. Island. In yeah. Okay. And if, again, with what you feel comfortable sharing, how many brothers and sisters do you have? Tell us a little bit about, you know, is there anyone else in your family that's involved in any aspect of the entertainment industry that maybe that's how you got kind of your little interest in getting involved in music? No, I'm the only one. I'm the only sucker. <laughs> so, what do your what, what what did your parents or what do your parents do? What did they do for a living? Um, my mother's a nurse practitioner, and okay, nice. I think my 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 father was a, uh, a banker. I think he did banking, and uh, yeah, that's it. Okay. Do you have any siblings? Uh, yeah, I have a sister. I have a younger sister. Okay, nice, nice. And what is what does she do for a living? Uh, I guess she just she's a, cr- a criminal, full time criminal. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, she's uh, she's 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 a she's a stay at home mom now. That's what she does. Okay, nice, very yeah. nice. Okay, so let's start to since like you said, since you were a creative individual, it sounds like outside of drawing and some artwork, music was, was one of your main things. Tell us a little bit about how old were you when you started to get an interest in music? And, you know, if you can pull in, like, your earliest memory, like, what was it that inspired you? Were you watching a show? Oh, was it, you know, did you get taken to a concert? You know, try to think back to then. Uh, just listening to the radio as a kid and listening to albums and just, you know, that my parents had. And, and uh, you know, I just... 
I loved music when I was young and into my early tweens and then in my late, you know, later teens, that's when I started to, you know, pick up, I picked up a bass guitar and started playing and I, you know, I just wanted to play music, you know, so that's where okay. I ended up. What types uh, of? How I ended up doing it. What's that? Nice. What types of, what types of music were your parents listening to? Like what types of, you know, what was playing oh, around the I house up, that you would I hear? Was, I, listened to a, I listened to a lot of Elton John when I was little, uh, the Beatles, obviously, uh, you know, um, then when Boston came out, I, the Boston album, I heard that as a little kid. I was blown away. I loved it. That's how I really got into it. I used to listen to these albums, and then just the music was, like, magical to me. And, you know, and uh, I just fell in love with music. That was it. Okay. So how old were you when you started to pick up a bass guitar? And were you are you mostly self-taught? Did you take any lessons? Because, again, you're very multi-talented in terms of producing, you know, singer, songwriter, um, engineering, right. so you got so many different things that you bring to the table, which I'm sure help the band, especially with the first two albums you guys put out. But yeah, tell us a little about what was the first instrument you picked up, and how did you get involved? The first playing instrument the other I picked ones? up was the first instrument I picked up was a bass guitar because my uncle, an uncle of mine, um, he actually had a building that he had owned that was right across the street from uh, Sam Ash music store in Brooklyn and they threw away a beat up junk bass and he pulled it out of the dumpster and gave it to me. That's how I started <laughs> okay. playing the bass. Okay. And uh and then as for, you know, so and plus I had just everybody I had known was playing guitar or playing drums. So mm-hmm. you know, and I knew that bass players, everybody was looking for a bass player. So I was like, you know, and I always, you know, I loved Rush, too. Rush was one of the first bands I really got into. And I just was blown away by Getty Lee. And I just, when I got that bass, I was like, I wanted to be Getty Lee. I wanted to play like Getty Lee. I wanted to be like Getty Lee. And uh, so that's how I really got into that. And I just started, you know, somebody showed me how to tune it. And then after I learned how to tune the bass, I started self-teaching, just sitting in my room for hours on end listening to Iron Maiden albums and Rush albums and just trying to learn play the songs. And that was like a good time for me, you know, just spending like half the day locked in my room, just playing to uh, records. And that's right, how I learned to play. Right. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then, and I, how old, how old, then, I, then I went on to uh, playing guitar later on, but I mainly was a bass okay. player at the beginning. And how old were you about when you started doing that so we can start to, you know, do a parallel uh, like and 14, getting into the other? Okay. 14, okay. 15, yeah, around that age. Yeah. Okay. So then from there, as you said, you started to, because bass players were not something that was a hot commodity, so you figured, why don't I start playing? Were you in some bands as a bass player before you started to get into singer-songwriting, doing guitar work? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I played with a bunch of different people, mainly like other, you know, friends of mine in the neighborhood that were uh, musicians that played guitar and trying to form bands and I played with a bunch of different people and, you know, made friends through being a musician. So, you know, it was, uh, that's, that's pretty much how I started this incredible journey. Your incredible journey. Okay. <laughs> so 14, 15, you're still in school. Did you, um, you know, after you get through high school, did you decide at any point, you know, Hey, music is something I want to pursue full time. And, and tell me a little bit about what you do for work. Cause like I said, I know you guys are all, Workers, you have jobs, you know, tell us a little bit about what happened after you graduated high school, and then we'll get more into the eventually Blackwater Rising coming together. 
Well, I, uh, you know, I've always had a passion for music, as I told you, and uh, I mean, I did that for many years. I, I you know, I took, um, you know, some music classes in, in high school. And then after high school, I went to a community college for a couple of years. I wasn't really serious about. I was never really a real academic. I, you know, okay. I always had my head in the clouds, and and I was always, you know, into. I had a very short attention span. So unless I was making unless I was making music, I uh, I didn't want to be involved with it. <laughs> so okay. you know that was that was my thing. And then you know as for making money, I you know I had a bunch of different jobs, and I started to give bass lessons. I was giving bass lessons for a while, and then I started work. I worked for the postal service. Now I've been working 21 years. So I was a letter carrier nice. um, for about 13 years. I did that, and I worked on trucks in the postal service. So I have, you know, 21 years in the postal service, so a lot of time. Congratulations. So. Yeah, That's great. You know, it's a job. It's a career, a job, you know, pays the yeah, bills. Yeah, no, it's good. It's, you know, it, it, allows, it allows me the uh, the flexibility to pursue music and to also pay my bills, so. That's great. And what, I mean, just, just thinking outside in terms of your perspective, you know, like you said, having a job like that, which allows you that flexibility and that time to still be able to be serious about music and do it at the level you do it at, you know, what would you recommend right. to kids today that, you know, say, hey, I want to do this as a career? Because you know, a lot of people I've interviewed, and I know it sometimes takes people, as you know, 10, 12, 15 years to even kind of break into the industry, so to speak. And, you know, a lot of people have said to me, oh, you're not, you're not serious enough if you have a job or if you're doing stuff like that. So, you know, from your perspective, because like I said, I really respect you and the members of your band having jobs, doing this seriously. What would you, you know, what type of guidance would you give someone starting out, especially today uh, when it's different? Well, I've always said, I mean, you anybody that would say if you have a job, you're not serious about it. Well, it depends on, you know, I mean, if you're doing it, it, it seriously and you're pursuing it you're making the time to do that besides having a job i'd say then you're somebody that's pretty serious about what you're doing because you're putting a hell of a lot into it if you're pursuing sure. you know uh you know going out and playing shows and you know and working a job a nine to five and commuting and coming home and recording it out i'd say you'd be somebody that's very serious about getting that done so i don't know if you know anybody would say you're not serious those are usually people that are just lazy and don't want to work. Right. So, you know, which, <laughs> no, listen, if, you, if, you, if, if you could do it full-time as a musician and make money, then God bless you. But, you know, I mean, if you, right. you, know, you know, as a teenager, you know, I guess I could do that. But now, you know, when I have to pay bills and uh, support a family, you know, it's a whole sure. different bag. So, you know. Yeah, uh, I think, and I'm sorry, gotta have I think what I meant, what I'm, Right, and I'm sorry, I think maybe I didn't frame it correctly. What I meant to say is what what guidance would you give someone? What I'm saying is I'm not saying people say, you know, right. people like you who have a job. No, but no, what would no, you say I to know. someone? No, I, but, yeah. Well, you know what? I've, I've been asked this question before, and what I would say to someone, usually somebody that's set on pursuing a career in music and that's what they want to do, there's nothing you can tell them. You know, somebody okay. is very passionate and it's something that they really, really wholeheartedly want to do, you know, they're going to do it regardless of what you tell them. You can mm-hmm. tell them the positives of it, or you can tell them the negatives. They're still going to do it because that's who they are, you know. So, sure. Um, okay. You know, so if anybody comes, you know, I don't, you can't really tell anybody anything. If it's really what they, you know, their mind is set and that's what they want to do with their life, then, you know, that's it. Fair enough. All right. <laughs> 
So while we're speaking about, you know, you and working with the post office, tell us a little bit about the other members. I know Odie, is Odie an um, iron worker? Odie, yeah, he's an iron worker. He, yeah, he's an iron worker for years now, as long as I've known him. Okay. Um, Mike, uh, Mike works in a chiropractic office, uh, and Dennis is an undertaker. An undertaker? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah, and he, and he gives wow. lessons. He's a guitar. Yeah, his family's in the funeral business. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and just so people know, Odie is the bass player, Dennis is your right. other guitarist, and then Mike is right. the drummer. Right. Okay. Yes. Just so people can get a, a vibe of who each member is. Okay. But and again, thank you for sharing that because I think that's interesting stuff that people might not know about you, and that's why I like to incorporate, you know, those types of things right. into my interview. Um, okay. So you were with, let's uh, start getting into your history of getting involved in music seriously. Um, you were with a band called Dust to Dust. Tell us a little bit about um, that band that you were with, and then we'll progress into how you started to write some music, which eventually became um, the initial songs for Blackwater Rising. I, well, I just, you know, I've always, I just became a songwriter, I, I pretty much out of necessity. I mean, like I told you, I originally started playing bass first and, and then I found myself wanting to write songs. So I picked up a guitar and started, you know, cause I wanted to record and write. And so I kind of started playing guitar out of necessity. And then I wanted to lay down, you know, melodies and vocals to the songs that the, you know, the, the songs I was writing and I couldn't find anybody to sing. So Again, out of necessity, I started to sing. So that's okay. pretty much how you know I got into playing guitar and and uh, singing. And uh, but my mind was always set as a kid. I wanted to be like Steve Harris from Iron Maiden, or you know, I wanted to be a bass player. You know, and and it just kind of the the evolution of my life, I guess you could say, kind of led me to the <laughs> point. If you would have told me, if you would have told me when I was seventeen that. I would be a singer, guitar player in a band. I would have never believed it. But it's just that's the evolution of what basically happened that I, from, I guess, just writing and and uh, recording my ideas. And, you know, that's that's how I started. That's how I formed that first band, which was Dust to Dust. And, and then as for recording it, you know, I spent a lot of time recording all my ideas and being in the studio. And, uh, and, that's, and that's how, uh, you know, that's how I got into that, you know, into recording. Uh, you know, I listened to a lot of old albums, but like I told you when I was growing up, like Boston. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that stuff, I was just like, I was amazed at the production and, and what it sounded like. And I just always, as much as I wanted to be a musician, I also wanted to be an engineer that recorded that music and created it, the productions. And so I guess it kind of went hand in hand. And over over the years of being a musician, I was also an engineer that was uh, recording my music and recording music for other people as well. So that's what brought me to this point. So it was always easy for me to get the songs out there. You know, I would sit down, write a song. I was able to produce it and engineer it and, you know, mm-hmm. play all the instruments on it, except for the drums. I would use like drum machines and whatnot because I was living in an apartment in Brooklyn. But right, right. then I was able to finish, finish music up and I would have some cool sounding demos and I would play them for my friends that were also musicians, and that's how I was able to form bands, you know, to be like, oh, this is cool. And it was, you know, it was easy for people to just step in and learn the songs and play them. So that's basically been the story of my life. Kind of your, yeah. Right. Yeah, kind of your recipe. 
the method and the right. recipe, right. right. So, okay. So in around, uh, I guess it was, what, 2005, is that when you started to form Blackwater Rising? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And tell us a little bit about, you know, just how did you meet the members? You know, how did, I know that you knew Mike from, I guess he was in a band called Boiler Room, and then he introduced you to, right. to Johnny from Stereo Mud, and then, and then Odie comes from LD slash 50. See, I do my research. I do my homework. So tell us those stories <laughs> behind, you know, how do you get to, how do you get to meet these guys and how do they form the initial core of Blackwater Rising? And it looks like you haven't had many lineup changes, which is, which is a great thing. But tell us about how you met yeah, those guys. Yeah, it was guys. only one. I mean, you know, but, uh, you know, just Johnny and then getting, um, and then Dennis coming into the band on the second album. But, uh, I mean, uh, I had played some music that I was working on for, uh, for Mike. Mm-hmm. And, he was, you know, he was looking for a new gig too, and he heard the stuff I was working on, and he liked it, and and you know, uh, Mike and I started recording it. We decided we wanted to go back in the studio and lay down real drums because the stuff I had recorded was with a drum machine, and it kind of sounded a little stale. You know, it was just mm-hmm. demo material, and uh, just having the real drums on there, you know, just gives it, you know, gave it life. So I asked Mike if he would go into the studio with me and lay it down, and he was totally into it. And uh, after we, you know, we wrote songs, we were like, listen, let's get a band together, you know. And uh, he reached out to Johnny at the time because he had met Johnny. Um, I forgot exactly how Mike knew Johnny, but he had known him and that he was in at that band Stereo Mud. And uh, mm-hmm. he was also looking for a new gig. So he came down. He heard the material. He loved it. And we started working with Johnny. And then we decided, you know, we needed to get a bass player. So uh, he had known Odie from his old neighborhood. And he was, you know, they were buddies. So he reached out to Odie. Odie came down. We we jammed a couple times, and it just totally locked. And we just, you know, the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, I mean, you had some great success, as we know, with the first two albums, which again were self-produced. And um, you know, tell us a bit, a little bit about the first one because the self-titled one, you know, you did record, as you mentioned in, you know, an apartment. What was it? Was in like a bedroom, right? That you converted into right. a studio. Yeah, so I mean, right, yes. great sounds, and I think again that sometimes people think you need to go into that flashy, multi-million-dollar, big-budget studio, and you know, you're proof to show you don't need to do that, and you can get an amazing sound and yeah. an amazing product if you know what you're I doing. I say it all the time. You know, I say it all the time, to people. <laughs> it's not, it's not the gear; it's the ear. <laughs> there you go. So you know, nowadays you don't, and you know, with computers and all the technology we have nowadays you really don't need to go into major recording studios to record. And quite honestly, I mean, at the end of the day, you can go into the, you can have the best equipment and make the greatest sounding recording in the world. But if the song sucks, the song sucks. So it's really right. the most important thing is to, <laughs> is to have, you know, material and songs that are good. And then everything else will pretty much come into play, you know, and, uh, and you know, getting the sounds together. And I mean, you could have a recording that sounds like crap, but if it's an amazing song, it's going to still come across, you know, Right, but you can have mm-hmm. a song that's recorded great and sounds amazing, but it could be crap. So you know, written like crap. So, uh, so, so how long? You know, reflecting back, how long did it take you, you guys, to record the first album, the debut one that had "Brother Go On" and also "No Halos" on it? How long did that take you to record that? Uh, the writing of the album took a good a couple of years because you know I wasn't really on a mission to, I was just writing the songs. I actually had worked mm-hmm. on a couple of the songs that are on the first album 
with some other band that I was playing with, some other guys. Uh, I was actually in a band with um, with Kenny Hickey and and uh, and Johnny from Typo Negative, and we oh, were okay. working on a couple. I had, I had written those songs, Rise and Brother Go On, and we were we were starting to play that material in that group that we had together. But that kind of fell apart. So when 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 that fell apart. I had taken my material that I was working on that with that, and that's when I presented it to Mike, and uh, and got that happening. So that's that's pretty much the history of how that all came to be. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean, you know, I recorded it. I recorded the drums, and a friend a friend of mine had a studio in Brooklyn. We recorded the drums there, but then I took everything back to my studio in my apartment and laid down the vocals and some guitar and. And I also laid down uh, some guitar at my friend's uh, studio in Brooklyn too, but you know, did everything. You know, everything was in house and in my apartment. Mm-hmm. And to this day, that's pretty much how we do it. You know, now we do it. In okay, my house. so with um, okay, and we're going to get into definitely want to hear about Electrified soon too. But with uh, Brother Go On, was that it's it's on MySpace, right? The MySpace days is that where it got the attention of um, Sirius XM Octane? I had made a demo. I well, had we had the well, actually not the demo. We had finished a couple of the songs. One of the songs was "Brother Go On," and we were playing a show in the city. And I'd run into uh, Jose from mm-hmm. uh, from Octane, and Jose had known me from uh, from Dust to Dust. And I'm you know I'm clearing the cobwebs out here because. It's been years now, but yeah, <laughs> but, no, it's okay. It's cool. Um, I saw him there, and I handed him the CD, and I was like, you know, check it out. This is a new, you know, my new band, and he had caught a couple of songs live, and he and he thought it sounded great, and he started spinning it. He handed it off to the program director over at um, Octane, Serious Octane, and uh, he loved it, and he added it to rotation, and he played it, and was getting a great response on the station. And we didn't even know. I mean, we didn't release an album yet or anything like that. And before we knew it, I mean, I started getting phone calls from some labels and this and that. And it was it was mm-hmm. great. I mean, it started taking off. It was it was very it was an organic beginning. It was very organic that song. And then we started to market it and try to promote it on on uh it was uh my MySpace when MySpace right. was around. And. Uh, we were sending out, you know, friend requests and trying to turn people onto the music, and that's how we built it up from there. It was a lot, a lot of legwork. Definitely, like a, like you said, like a, an organic grassroots approach, and I think that comes right. across in both your music, your work ethic, and I think that's again, it's something to be really commendable for doing that stuff because it takes a lot of time and a lot of energy. So right, so that 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 song did amazing. No Halos also had some some great turnout on that album, and that album I read um, also reached uh, the number one spot on the Amazon Hard Rock chart, right upon release. Yeah, for a little yeah, while. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. So, like you said, it was self-produced. Did you did you have a label at all with the first two albums? Uh, we had a label overseas. Um, European uh, label that was uh, distributing overseas because we were doing it here in the States. But um, when that album pretty much came together, you know, the record deals and the record industry was pretty much entering the toilet at that period. Right. So mm-hmm. the, uh, 
you know, you also got to understand, we came from a time, I mean, even with Dust to Dust and, and Mike with Boiler Room and Johnny with Stereo Mud, and, you know, these bands had gotten pretty decent record deals back then, and there was some money involved, and it was, you know, kind of worth it. But, you know, when this, when we, you know, some years had subsided, and then when we released the, the Blackwater Rising, uh, the deals that we were being offered just didn't, you know, we didn't feel they were worth mm-hmm. it to uh, to get involved with a label when we felt like we could really do a lot of it on our own with the help of the internet. So, you know, the deals that we were being offered were just not too good. So uh, we decided to just, you know, do it on our own. Definitely, definitely. And you had some distribution, though, right? You were working with Sony, which I'm yeah, sure yeah, was yeah. a was of help. Right. Yeah, so well, that was, you know, we had, we had gotten a, a distribution deal through Sony, and then we had gone with uh, with a label out in Europe, like, out of Germany, called the Sanctuary Records, and, uh, well, no, no, not Sanctuary, uh, a Metal Zone. And, uh, okay. And who else was there? And there was a couple other people we were working with here and there, but, um, but it was mainly we did it all on our own. No, it's great. So then you followed that up with uh, 2013. You came out with Piston Driven and had some some success with that one too. Um, Show No Mercy was one of the singles, and also Dance with the Devil was another one that was released and did very well. So and again, you did that same thing. Was that also in the one bedroom apartment or somewhere else? Uh, that the Piston Driven I had recorded. I moved out to Jersey and bought a house. So when I was out there, I, I built, uh, in my home now, I built a, a studio, and we recorded it there in the studio, in my house. We recorded the drums in my living room, and nice. we recorded everything else. Yeah. Great. Great. So let's start getting into Electrified, which is going to be, we're going to debut your uh, single tonight, um, Payback, which you're currently promoting off of that new album. So did you also record that one in the um, studio in New Jersey? Yep. Yes, wow. in my house, same place. <laughs> okay, cool. Did you bring any, just out of curiosity, and then I want to feature the song and we'll get back and talk more about the, yeah. the album coming out. Did you have any other producers come in, or was it all, again, just you and the band? It's just me and the band, yeah, just Okay, us. cool. You know, okay. just, yeah, I'll, you know, we'll record, you know, I'll, and I bounce it off the guys, I send the recordings. You know, Mike would get a recording, He, you know, him and I, we work back and forth, bouncing it back and forth. He would tell me what he hears. You know, oh, the kick drum's a little low, the kick drum's a little loud, the guitar's a little loud, the guitar's a little low, you know, that type of thing, back and forth. Okay. All right, cool. Well, let's do this. Let's. I want to feature the song tonight. So um, tell us a little bit about Payback and, you know, why you chose that one. The albums, I've had a chance to preview it. It's, it sounds phenomenal. Um, tell us about that song, Thanks. a little bit the concept behind it and why you chose to feature that as your first single to release. Uh, payback is just a song about getting even. You know, I I don't I don't really uh my the lyrical content in my songs is not very uh it's not ultra deep. I mean, it's easy to you know understand. You just got to read it, and mm-hmm. it's pretty much it's easy to you know to grasp. So that's for you know that song it speaks for itself. You know, uh, it's just about getting even. And that's it. I mean, you know. That's it. Okay. Yeah, I think I like yeah. that about your lyrics too. I think your lyrics are again open-ended I mean, enough I write that a lot people. Of stuff, right. I write stuff from a personal place, you know. But mm-hmm. I, you know, but honestly, it's like a lot of times I don't like to really. 
tell people how it came about or whatnot? Because mm-hmm. I want people to 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 make it their own. To, to, sure. Uh, right. Like I can go on about how somebody pissed me off and I wanted to get, you know, even with them right. and, you know, when this and that happened. But, you know, who cares? You know, it's like when somebody, you know, listens to a song, they personalize it, you know, and especially if it gets to the point where, they, where they're able to, uh, you know, uh, get into the lyrics. I think you tend to personalize the song and make your own meanings out of it and how it reflects from your own perception. So that's why I don't sure. like, you know, I usually don't get too deep into the meaning behind my songs. They pretty much speak for themselves, I guess, you know. Okay. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think it's well put. So let's do this, Rob. I'm going to put you on hold. We're going to check out Payback, and then we'll come back. We'll talk about, you know, your signing with Pavement Entertainment and uh, some other good stuff with the album coming out tomorrow, and then we'll go from there. All right? You got it. Cool. Okay. Hold on. All right, everyone. Again, you're listening to Rob Trainer from the hard rock metal band Blackwater Rising. We're going to debut and check out their single Payback, which is off of their album Electrify. And be sure to pick up a copy tomorrow on November 3rd when it is going to drop. So let's check out Payback, and we'll be back in a moment.
All right, everyone, welcome back to the Carrie Edelman Show. Again, Blackwater Rising and their hit single, Payback. It's off of their debut album. Sorry, not their debut, their third album, actually, Electrified. And it's going to be released tomorrow on November 3rd. So uh, check it out. It has amazing songs on it. And uh, we'll get back to Rob now and talk more about uh, signing with Pavement and all that other good stuff. All right, Rob, great, great song. Uh, thank you. Yeah, really, really cool stuff. Like you said, it's it's simple, but it gets to the point, and it's got a lot of melody, catchy hooks. I mean, you know, you guys are tight as hell with uh, your musicianship, so it's uh, it's a great track. Thank you. Yeah, cool. Name the so, yeah, there you go. Um, so just just some of my <laughs> some of my personal favorites off of uh, the album were let me. Go to my notes right here because I've written down Obey's a great song. Uh, Millennial Zombies, I think uh, that kind of is self-explanatory, but I think it, it definitely hits the mark with uh, some of the stuff that's, as you said, going on today in the world. And uh, one of my personal favorites I actually like was World of Frustration. I, I really like the kind of organic, stripped-down feel of that song. It was a great track. Thanks. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I wanted. I wanted to close out the album with uh you know with with a song like that you know mm-hmm. it's, yeah uh, it's no, it's great you i expect you know you have the whole album kind of rocking and then have a song that's kind of you know like a nice uh like a planet caravan type of feel you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's great i really like that track it's really great um and again it shows it shows how dynamic you are vocally because you can do the really heavy stuff and then you can go to a song like that and just you know, your vocals sound beautiful over that song, too. So it's it's a great track. So let's uh, do thank this. You, thank um, you. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about, you know, how you met up with or got in contact with Pavement and, you know, what, what changed? Because I know you said in the past labels were not necessarily giving you the right deals or the right offers. But, you know, tell us a little bit about Pavement and, and when this happened and, and why Pavement was the right fit for you. Well, Pavement offered us a million dollars, so that's why we – <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm, was, uh, what happened was somebody actually reached out to us on Facebook and had asked me uh, in a message if we were signed with the label. And we were actually looking for to work with someone because um, we had been doing all the marketing and all the, all the legwork ourselves for the first two albums. And honestly, it's like, although I do enjoy being involved, you know, it just got to the point where it was just, it's, it's been a lot for us, you know, between mm-hmm. working and the band. And then also it really is like taking on another job, you know, doing all the marketing. And uh, we wanted to get someone else, you know, hope, you know, involved with the band to uh, help us market, market the album. So we decided with this album that if we were going to do it, because uh, after Piss and Driven, we were just kind of shot. Because uh, it's just, it's so tough nowadays really to just, you mm-hmm. know, you know I mean, there's not a lot of money, and it's just it's hard to really just do everything yourself. So, you know, we just somebody had reached out to us and asked if we had a deal, if we were signed with anybody, and it said, you know, they had a connection with Pavement, and they said, uh, you know, they knew somebody that was A&R over there, and they wanted to connect us with him. We were like, sure. So we kind of got connected with Pavement, and, and uh, they were offering up a, the marketing services, to uh you know for for bands and whatnot and it sounded like uh from what we had seen a, a good idea to get involved with them to uh, help us market the album so that's 
So we pretty much have like a 50-50 deal uh, where we're kind of split right down the middle with them, and we're marketing it and working it, and they're marketing and working it too. It's a whole different structure nowadays, you know, uh, these deals as opposed to what they were, you know, like right, a decade right. ago. So, so yeah. it's just so I understand, because I always like learning about the business side of it too. So it's not like necessarily, and you don't, you know, again, with what you feel comfortable sharing, it's not like a label in the sense that they own your music or something like that. This is more, it sounds like, a marketing and advertising promotional type of deal. Right, 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 oh, right. Almost, yeah. like a, almost like a licensing, a licensing type of deal. Where you're, li- okay. where you're, li- where you're where, uh, you know, they're bringing their resources to the table and you're bringing right. your resources to the table and you're working together to market and get it out there. Whereas opposed, and back in the day, you might sign a deal with a label and a label would give you an advance and, and they would pay for you to go record the album and they right. would pay for, for everything. Therefore they owned everything. It was like, you know, the, the, you. Right. until, until the label recouped uh, all their money back plus whatever they now owned of the, of, you know, what it was, is a, you know, what it is as a product, you know, so nowadays it's a little different. I mean, there are still deals out there like that, but, Right. The record industry doesn't have the money that it once had. So deals like this are more beneficial to, I think, uh, to, you know, the, a band or musician and, and the label. Yeah, definitely. And I think you made a good point. I mean, you guys were getting to the point where it was it was another job for you guys. And you've hit that ceiling where, you know, you are serious and you're at that level that you need someone else to help you out and, and get it to, the, you know, yes. get it to the masses. Yeah. So that's great. Yes. Well, congratulations. Yeah. That's uh, that's great that you signed with them. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So um, I, I found the artwork interesting on the album, so I wanted to talk a little bit about that, and you have your art background. Um, who who did you work with? Um, I know you worked with Mr. Sam Sheeran in the past, right, for some of the other artwork. Did you work with him on this album too? No, no, Mr. Sam did the first album, and we had this guy, Jan, do, uh, who actually lives in Europe as well. He did the artwork on the uh, second album and this album. He did such an awesome job on Fist and Driven. And, and quite honestly, straight up, I mean, the price was right, too. I mean, he worked with, you know, we're, we're on a budget, a tight budget. So, mm-hmm. you know, and he was, willing, he was willing to work with us. And his work was, you know, so awesome that, um, you know, we had to have him work on the new album. And, uh, you know, him and Mike really worked together on the concept and getting it together and, you know. So, so tell Mike, us, Mike is tell more us, of the uh, the eye, you know. Okay. Mike, uh, he he pretty much took the reins on that, and when he showed, you know, they were working on it. When I saw it, I loved it. I was like, I I just loved, you know, the whole look of it. You know, it just mm-hmm. looked so badass. <laughs> <laughs> so, and and tell us a little bit about the, you know, incorporating, you know, Zeus. He was riding a motorcycle, and you have everything from <laughs> lightning bolts to you know, the evening sky with some beautiful stars mixed in the background. And it looks, you know, it's interesting. It almost looks like Zeus is trying to kind of ride out from a lot of chaos. And I don't know if he's trying to escape right. it or, but tell us, yeah, if you can comment on Mike. He's throwing, light, you know, he's pers- throwing lightning bolts down at the earth, at the city. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and riding around on his chopper up in the sky. <laughs> I don't, it's, just, it's just conceptually, I mean, the, the imagery I just feel that it just has a badass feel to it, and it just looks cool. And but at the same time, like you said, it's got 
it's it's nice it's it's pretty it's beautiful it's it's you know i kind of feel like it interacts and works well with the uh, the music and the vibe of the band and uh mm-hmm. you know the song electrified and the concept of the of the art have nothing to do with each other but um i mean but it just it just worked you know to cuz he's you know he's throwing lightning bolts and whatnot and the title is electrified right. so it just worked yeah okay Okay. Yeah, so it's a little, grabbing, little you know? connection. Instead of having like a morbid, you know, these typical metal morbid type of covers or rock covers, you know, I just thought it worked for it. It just had a cool feel to it. So people even told me it kind of reminded them of Meatloaf for like a bat out of hell, which I think is cool. So I was like, you know, awesome. You know, just just great, you know, really classy, great artwork, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's great. It was very well done. And like you said, I think – Again, I think like your songs, like you said, you don't maybe want to give too much meaning away either, even though, like you said, it's it's beautiful and it captures what you're trying to portray with your music. I think it also lets people, you know, look at it and have their own interpretation and their own, you know, kind of theory about what it means to them. So I think it's it's great. It's a really cool right. album cover. Yeah. All right. Thank so you. let's yeah. see. What else? So tell us a little bit about, and then we'll talk about some shows. Just, you know, when you guys aren't doing music, what are some of the things that you guys like to do when you're down, when you have a little downtime? I know you guys don't have much. But, you know, tell us something interesting that you guys like to do individually, together, when you're not doing music. Uh, I mean, you know, I have, a, I, have, I have two kids. I have a family. So I spend a lot, you know, I try to spend as much time as I can with my family when I'm not doing this. And, okay. uh, you know, I mean, between... Between band, family, and work, there really isn't much time for anything else. So, <laughs> okay. pretty much absorbed absorbed my life. You know, that's why a lot of people were asking for you know a while there. You know, why why is why is there so much space between you know these albums? Right. And you're going to see that nowadays because, quite honestly, people have to work for a living. You know, it's like you know between you know commuting over three hours a day into the city and then working you know nine ten hours a day doesn't really leave you a lot of time to uh, sit and write songs, you know, it's, it's tough. So mm-hmm. it just takes a long time to, to really get, you know, to get an album together. So, you know, writing all the material and all of that shit. So. Right. Yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit about any upcoming shows you have. Do you have, you have one this Saturday, right? November 4th. Yeah. Where are you guys mm-hmm. playing at? Yeah. Share with uh, us where that show is at. We're playing at Mulcahy's in, uh, in uh, Long Island, I believe, with uh, okay. Last in Line. Yeah, Dio, okay. the guys nice. from Dio, which I'm pretty psyched about. Nice. I'm not even psyched because we're playing. I'm psyched to just go and see Last in Line, quite honestly. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But we're going cool. on right before them, and, uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, uh, yeah. we went out uh, when we went out uh, with Kill Devil Hill, um, the uh, drummer, I don't know if you're uh, you familiar with, uh, with Dio. I mean, you yeah, know, yeah. I mean, I, I know of, sure. I mean, I'm not 100% familiar with all the music and stuff, but sure, I'm familiar with the name. And Well, the sure. drummer the drummer for Dio was Vinny Apathy, and he's he's also the drummer in uh, Last in Line. But we haven't, okay. you know, we were we, sh- we shared a bus with those guys. You know, I had, uh, you know, Rex Brown from Pantera and Vinny, and, you know, it was, it was awesome, you know, going out on the road with wow. those guys. I mean, it was like, you know, and we were in, in Dimebag's bus. Uh, for a couple of weeks, That's so that amazing. was like you know, that was like uh, surreal. But Vinny is an mm-hmm. awesome guy, and he really treated us. You know, I mean, he was he watched the shows, he was into the band. It was great, and uh, 
and he's playing. You know, obviously he's in the last one line, so we're going to get to see him. And, uh, you know, I'm psyched about that. That's great. And do you guys have any um, tours in the works or anything like that? We have been offered a couple of different tours, but a lot of the tours that are coming down the pike right now are are, are buy-ons. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of money involved, and if you don't have the money to do it, you know, it's like, you know, it's not only just the money to buy on, but it's the money to also put a band out on the road. It's just so much money. And so it's tough. Can you? So we're really, we're just waiting for the right, the right opportunity to come. And and, if something don't come soon, we're going to have to put something together ourselves, but we definitely plan on getting out there to promote the album. That's great. And if you don't mind me asking, what, what, I've heard that term before with the buying on, what would that range from? I mean, what is a low, what would it, what's the kind of the price range for a buy on? Like what is the low range up to? I would say most typical buy-ons, I mean, it depends on the bands that you're going out with. If you're going out with a big band that's, you know, going to draw a lot of people, like, you know, pack a right. club, you know, I mean, uh, I mean I'm just going to throw some ideas out yeah, there. Yeah, just throw random. Not yeah. that any of these numbers are actually legitimate numbers, but, you know, it could be anywhere from paying $5,000 to go out with somebody on a, on a tour for X amount of shows. It could be, you know... Uh, you know, two hundred dollars a show, say, or a hundred dollars okay. a show, or right. it could be anywhere up to like five hundred dollars a show. It depends on who you're playing with. If you're playing with a big, right. big national act that's going to be playing like a stadium, you know, it, it may cost the band a thousand dollars to get on a show like that. So it's unfortunate right. that that's the way it is, but you know, you got to remember that it is a business, and I do understand that, and that's what it is nowadays. I mean, you know, everybody's mm-hmm. struggling, and and any way that anybody can, you know, pull money in to help to support. Uh, taking their act out on the road, if that includes having band, other bands uh, buy on to it, you know, I, I understand, you know, it yeah. is what it okay. is. Okay, no, thank you for, again, I love when people can, you know, educate and, and you learn some of that interesting stuff that you might not otherwise know about. So, yeah, that makes sense, though, in terms of what you're saying, in terms of how much you're going to spend based on how big the actual act is that you're playing with. Um, right, okay. right. I mean, sometimes yeah, so you get lucky, and there'll be acts that'll take you out on the, you know, might take a band out on the road. Don't need the money, you know. They might want to, you know, and they might be like, this band is awesome, and I'd like to take them out there. Like a Metallica, you know, mm-hmm. has been known to have done that with some acts. But, you know, most bands, I'd say 99.9% of the acts that you're seeing out there nowadays out on the road, any of the bands that are opening for them, chances are that they, they bought onto those, uh, you know, sure. onto those shows. So if you're scratching your head and saying, this band is awful. How did this band get out on the road with, with, with you know, with, with this band? Right. Well, it's because they got yep. somebody with deep pockets and put them out there on the road to do it. That's how they did it. So. Right. <laughs> Catch out the band. Right. Oh, well, again, why don't you, uh, Rob, please share where people can find you guys on the social media sites. Um, please plug where you guys are at and, of course, plug your album, and then we'll start to, to wrap things up. Okay. Yeah, well, you can definitely reach us, uh, like everybody else, on Facebook. Um, we're all over Facebook. Uh, just look up Blackwater Rising, three separate words, Blackwater Rising. And we're on Facebook, and we also have BlackwaterRising.com, BlackwaterRising.net, and that's it. I mean, you know, we're, you know, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, mm-hmm. you know, all the typical outlets. We're all over, okay, all great. Over the place. Well, Rob, thank YouTube, you so much we got for a YouTube coming. channel. Okay. All right. That's yeah, right. Because you got yeah. tons of videos out there too. Yeah. 
Right. Black, so, Blackwater Rising TV. Yeah, we have a new video coming out actually for Payback. It's going to be out within the next couple of weeks, I think. And we're very psyched. I mean, we got Jose Hernandez Jr. from uh, from Oz, and he was on Gotham, and he's a great actor. He was in our last two video, uh, last video, uh, No Halos. He was okay. and in uh, Dance with the Devil. Um, he he did a cameo in that, and we uh, yeah. So I mean, you know, we're pretty psyched about that. That's that's coming out soon too. Nice. Well, that's something to look forward to too. So, yeah, so, I mean, thank you so much, Rob, for coming on tonight and um, promoting the album, and I wish you guys so much success with the album and with Pavement and everything else that's uh, to come for you guys. Thank you. Okay. Hopefully hopefully we'll see you at a show soon. I know. I hope so. Yeah, I'll have to check out your (laughs) schedule and see when you're you're in the area. And, um, you know, if you want, feel free, the podcast for the interview. If um, anyone couldn't tune into it, it'll be available tonight, so... If you want to plug that and people can check it out later on when they have will some do. time and download it. Okay? Definitely. Definitely will. All right. Yeah, thank you so All much, Rob, for joining me. You too. No much problem. success to you. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. Again, Rob from Blackwater Rising. And uh, be sure to check out their album. It's out tomorrow. It is titled Electrified. And if you, for some reason, tuned in late to the show tonight, you can check out the podcast. You can download it and um, hear their hit single, uh, Payback. As he said, there's going to be a video coming out for that, and they're going to have some shows coming up too, so check them out on social media. So thank you so much, everyone, for joining me tonight. If um, you'd like, check out. I have about 230 interviews now, everything from comedians, a lot of hard rock and metal bands I have on my show, um, have had some filmmakers, so check it out. I do a lot of research on my guests, and I really try to make each interview uh, different and unique. There's no no cookie-cutter approach going on here. So if you want, you can uh, please follow me on Facebook at The Carrie Edelman Show, and that's where you can see updates for my upcoming shows and more. I'm also on Twitter at Carrie Edelman, as well as on Instagram at Carrie Edelman. So follow me. I'll follow you back. And if you want to send a personal request on Facebook, I have um, two personal pages, so if one's maxed out, just hit up the one that is not maxed out. So, again, thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, I'll be looking forward to scheduling some uh, new interviews coming up in the near future. Thanks again, and have a great night.